You may be seated. Well, it's good to gather and say these words with a, a larger crowd here. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. What a wonderful word to hear and a wonderful gospel to pair. Uh, our gospel text today speaks to us about uh, the trouble that comes to our hearts. When trouble comes your way, what do you do with it? The answer isn't obvious because it changes from person to person. You have the panicky types, the analytical brain busters, the fidgety toe tappers, I might be more in that category, um, and maybe the, the, the pacing ponderers that go back and forth thinking over and over and over. Maybe I'm in that category too. Maybe you, pl- you slot yourself in various categories. But uh, when trouble comes our way, people do uh, many assortment of things, many senseless things. People pull out their hair, maybe they, they bite their teeth. Others are far more destructive, self-destructive. They can cut, they drink, they pop pills, they end it all. Jesus could address any number of the ways in which we deal with our problems. He could tell us to meditate, to make a list of pros and cons, maybe to pull out one of those fidget spinners, or just cool it, take a break. He could tell us that pulling out our hair or biting our teeth won't help us a bit. He could tell us all about the sinful harm of self-inflicted abuse. In short, he could direct us to the self-help section in any bookstore or library, tell us to Google it, or go to your doctor, which is not a bad idea, can help, but we know that it's not the whole picture. Jesus could address the number of ways we deal with our problems, but he deals in particular with one. Instead, he deals with your heart. Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus addresses our hearts, our earnest beliefs, because if the heart believes it is worthless or lost, then the body will follow what the heart believes. And that's a dangerous path toward hatred and unbelief. Jesus gives the Father and himself as the remedy to these troubles. Believe in God, believe also in me. And you know what? That's a pretty profound statement. Believe in God, believe also in me. That the belief in God, the Father, and Jesus, his Son, is sufficient for a troubled heart. That no person can do for themselves or doctor prescribe is the cure of faith that heals the brokenhearted. To believe that you are loved by God and not worthless and not lost does the heart good. When Christ fills us, our troubles cannot define us. Sins are forgiven, repentance is daily, and life becomes an eternal blessing despite the troubles. This is the heart of the text. To interact with those who are troubled in the heart by believing in God, the Father, 
and by believing in Jesus the Son. Jesus tells us in the text that in my Father's house are many rooms. What he does here is to speak to our heart and the trouble of belonging. Jesus goes to prepare a place where you belong with himself and in his Father's house. In this way, Jesus tells us that he loves you. And more than this, he tells you that he will come back for you. He'll come back on the last day and for the resurrection of the dead. Jesus will take you to himself, to dwell with him, to abide in him as he abides in you. And that the place that he goes to prepare for you is no ordinary place, but an extraordinary place of his father's house. So to be at home with God the Father is to be at home with his Son also. Faith in the Father through the Son. It's interesting the way in which the apostles then receive this word of Jesus. Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Jesus confronts this form of unbelief by laying down that he is indeed the image of his Father to the world. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Whoever has faith in Jesus has faith in the Father, whose dwelling place is yours through the Son. Jesus is telling Philip that he is enough. That's a good word for us. That Jesus is enough for our troubled hearts as well. This is what it means to believe in Jesus the Son and to hear these words of Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. What Jesus effectively does here before his disciples is that he places eternity before their very eyes in his own embodiment and his own presence before them. That turn of phrase is worth noting from now on. From now on means forever. From now on means a faith that never ends. From now on means that a pin was placed in the history of that moment and can be traced to our present day and onward. You are very much a part of God's plan to save troubled hearts. Jesus comes to his disciples and Jesus continues to come to the disciples of every age by water and the word, by bringing them into his church and into his kingdom, and therefore to his Father's house. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. Troubled hearts then have no place to go except to Jesus. What a great place to turn when you have nowhere else to go except to Jesus. In the Old Testament, the Lord puts it this way, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Today, Jesus does the same, promising to take you to himself and to the house of his Father. Except through Jesus, no troubled heart is cleansed or spirit made new. So what else do we have but to believe in God the Father and to believe also in the Son? For you is a place prepared, which is yours through Christ alone. Though uh, through his love for you, your heart has a healing solution for every trouble that you may encounter. 
You prepare yourself for troubled times by following Jesus. And you follow Jesus to the Father's house. And the question has to become, how do you follow Jesus? You follow Jesus by knowing him as much as he knows you. And Jesus tells you all you need to know about himself. In the gospel, Jesus has many I am statements declaring to his disciples and therefore by extension to us who he in fact is that we may know him and to believe in him as we believe in the Father. Jesus says, where I am, you may be also. Where I am, you may be also. Jesus then is wherever you are. He comes to save you by his sacrifice. His location is both earthbound and heavenly minded. He dwells among his people and goes into heaven to prepare a place for his people to dwell in all eternity. And if that were not good enough, Jesus is not only wherever you are, but also wherever your heart is. What can we say about our hearts? Well, we can ask a few questions. Are you content with yourself? Following Jesus means not being content with ourselves, but being content in him, that Jesus truly is enough. Are you tormented, maybe even tormented by pet sins? Following Jesus means being transformed by him. Are you troubled by anything in your life or in this world? Can we at least say that, that we do have troubles in this life? And troubles in this world, I think we can. Following Jesus means casting your worries upon him. In all these places that we may identify the weaknesses of our heart, we have Jesus coming and dwelling amongst us. That wherever we are, there is Jesus with his healing word of promise and his sacraments to give us life and salvation. That it does the heart good to be strengthened by his grace. Jesus helps the content, the tormented, and the troubled to follow him. Because the fallen can't rise up on their own, he helps the sinner. Because the dying won't live forever, he gives eternal life to the dead. Because the lost don't find themselves, he shows us the way. Where I am going, you know the way, says Jesus. But again, we get pushed back from the disciples. Thomas disagrees. Lord, we do not know. How can we know the way? Thomas' situation looks a lot like ours. Trusting in Jesus sounds good, but it sounds like a lot of work. He says things that need interpretation. He promises things that seem impossible. But that's the way of Jesus. We don't follow Jesus because it's easy. We follow Jesus because salvation far outweighs any difficulty. We believe in his promises not because they are ordinary, but because they deal with the things that are extraordinary. Sin is swallowed up in the victory of Christ's death and resurrection. In short, we follow Jesus because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And that's what faith is. Faith is is trusting in someone who knows what we need. It's a faith in God that says it is well with our soul, no matter the troubles weighing upon our hearts. 
It's looking at Jesus and knowing that he alone is the way and the truth and the life. And when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, he is bragging. He is bragging about how you belong to him. No exceptions. He's telling you how important you are to him. You are so loved by the Son of God that he demands an audience with you before you go to God the Father in his house to dwell forever. When troubles harm your heart and you're looking for answers, Jesus wants you to know just who it is that you can turn to, the only one that you can turn to. So we may also then ask other questions. What is the way that we make our choices? What do we turn to? There's only one way, the way of Jesus. What truth guides our choices along this way? There's only one truth, the word of Jesus. What is the best life? There's only one, the life lived in Jesus. As dependents upon Jesus, we are but children at the mercy of our Lord. And it turns out his mercy is real, and it's really for you. It's a great thing. We know this because he has displayed his love before the eyes of the world upon the cross of his execution. And he has truly loved each of you to death. For you, Jesus tastes death's sting. But the flavor of forgiveness is the sweetness of his resurrection and the resurrection from the dead. And this too is a love that Jesus will share with each one of us on the last day when he comes to take us to himself to dwell in the house of his father forever. The narrow way to the truth and the life in Jesus is only a bitter one if we go it alone and let our hearts be troubled. That's what an unrepentant heart looks like trouble. Jesus wants to meet each of you and to take you where he is. For that to happen, he must do surgery upon the troubled heart. That's what repentance is. Jesus turning you to himself. And when his word turns hearts to the earnestness of belief, what follows is the beauty of our Christian confession. From faith, we ask for the coming of his kingdom for his will to be done. We ask God to give us this day our daily bread, to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray to be led away from temptation and delivered from evil. In short, from trouble. And you know what? That's what Jesus does. So that the Father may be glorified in all that the Son does, Jesus promises to hear that prayer, all that you ask, and to do these things in his name. Prepared for you is a room in the Father's house. Whether that room is a, a, a mansion or a modest dwelling, we cannot say. And it doesn't matter, does it? Because what matters is how the heart holds up to the hype. It's a good thing that we can count on Jesus to deliver. Pray, praise, and give thanks then that Jesus does the heart good 
as he dwells with you today. As he dwells with you today in faith and forever. As he takes you from this home to his father's house. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen from the dead. Alleluia. We continue with the canticle, hymn number 941. Please stand.